Looking for a way to level up your coaching and win more? Get better fast with GMS Plus. GMS Plus is your on-demand source for the best, most proven volleyball courses, drills, stats, videos, tips, and much more. Learn from some of the game's winningest coaches and players, including Heather Olmsted, Keegan Cook, John Spraw, Mike Wall, and Courtney Thompson. I've learned a great deal from Gold Medal Squared, as have many of our guests. Whether you're trying to win a state championship or an Olympic gold medal, GMS Plus will help you get there. And we have a Coach Your Brains Out code for listeners. To get 20% off an annual subscription, go to goldmedalsquared.com slash CYBO and enter the code CYBO. That's goldmedalsquared.com slash CYBO. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. I guess that was the other question I had. It seems like sometimes the differential learning um, exercises, you're giving them more of an internal focus. And I know there's lots of research around internal focus, maybe not being as effective as an external focus. Um, Yeah, I guess why in differential learning would, even when you give an internal focus, there still be uh, learning? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I would say 10 years ago, I would have agreed completely with this. But meanwhile, in science came up this differentiation between internal and external focus. And actually, uh, I still I still cannot uh, completely separate those two things. Um, and to my point of view, we should first look for the, I would say, brain activation that is caused by these activations, by these instructions. And what I think is when you give these external instructions, that it's a kind of widening the eyes and widening the eyes is already a kind of relaxing the brain. Uh, It's a very popular uh, saying now. Uh, We would say the frontal lobe is uh, lower than the frequencies. And when the frontal lobe is activating in lower frequencies, then it's a much better way to learn. But mainly, for me, always learning was related to my body or my brain in Western science, because this is the only part which can be adapted. I cannot adapt the environment. I have to adapt to this, and this is actually the secret, I would say, of our survival hmm. for millions of years. We had to survive in always changing environment, but it's it was us who was adapting. No, okay. okay. The more modern areas is changing. Okay, we're building highways and whatever. So we are starting to change the mind. But in sports, for me, it's about how can I adapt my my system, my own system. Uh-huh. And what just came to my mind is what we meanwhile see is one possibility why this additional learning in the retention phase is caused is because while differential training, we are activating lower frequencies, alpha and theta frequencies. And what is known from yoga research or or Qigong mindfulness-based training research, that when you do this kind of training, or when you activate these frequencies for four weeks only, the amygdala, which is responsible for the coping with emotions, is already changing anatomically. Mm -hmm. And I think when the lower 
areas of the brain are changing, then you will have, I would say, potential effects afterwards. Yeah. And this is why we very often hear from, from the, uh, the parents of the athletes, what did you do with our children? Because <laughs> they are not only getting better uh, in school and not only getting in sports, they are getting better at school. Yeah. Because they get a completely different mindset. Right. I think that's so fascinating, the, that, that side of it on top of their, their learning, you know, improving their skills. This might be me looking for too much of a recipe, but is there an amount of time that they need? You know, I, I hear like in, you know, mindfulness training, you know, maybe 15 minutes, you have some of the, the brain, brain effects a day. Is, is there an amount of time that, you know, you'd have to spend to get some of those maybe mindfulness sort of uh, effects well, on, I, on someone? I would say, I would say, or what, what we did uh, is that we start with 10 minutes per day. Mm -hmm. Um, and you very soon see how the athlete is responding on this. And this is actually what I meant also with this stochastic resonance, that you have to look when, when the athlete is get, getting stiff, is no more responding on anything, then you know, okay, now it's a limit reach. But very often, it just helps to give them five minutes run in an aerobic state, and you can start again. Uh -huh. But for me, a very important part was always to give the athlete the trust, it doesn't matter what he's doing, we will find a next step and we will, find, we will improve. And this was one of the major reasons why I actually never corrected. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, you did your best. I assume you did your best, it didn't work. So let's find a new, new thing. Uh -huh. And giving this trust already, I would say led to a lot of relaxation in, 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 in the athlete. Yeah. Okay, I can play, I can do errors without being punished for this error. Mm -hmm. And this was also the reason why we said, we, we talked about fluctuations. Because when you talk about error, you always implicitly assume that you know about the correct. But actually, we don't know what is correct because every individual is different. Mm -hmm. So for this yeah. moment, it was always the optimal solution. But next time we will change it. Right. Would you say there are errors that are bad errors? You know, if there are things that uh, I've never even seen anybody on a volleyball court do that, is that too much? Are they going outside of well, a bandwidth? What we said in the, right from the beginning is uh, as a coach, you should avoid injuries. So right. I'm coming from biomechanics and we right. knew, okay. When you do javelin throwing with a certain weight outside, um, it's tolerated one time. And this is one advantage of differential training as well. One time for me is no problem. Yeah. But when you start to repeat over this over. error, then it's getting a problem. Right. Because then you get the injuries. Right. But within, the, within uh, I would say, don't go for injuries and then you can try everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. What about, I mean, I think this is again, like taking just traditional coaching, you know, say, okay, go ahead and try to pass the ball in 10 different ways. And we see like kind of laughing and goofiness, like it gets like to a point where they're like, you know, it gets, you know, we're supposed to be serious and improving and getting better. Uh, I guess, is there like a line there where it gets like too silly or too goofy? Or you think letting them be creative, letting them do it for a time frame is, is even at like college well, athletics? Yeah, I would say the, the variations should be 
in the area which are, I would say, responsible for the biomechanical effect. So yeah. what I sometimes saw is, okay, that a high jump coach started to count with the fingers, okay, jump with the thumb there, jump with the uh, digit finger there. Uh, okay, it's a kind of fun, but actually for high jump, you need other variations. Uh, but no, mainly I would say when it's when they start to laugh, I would say, then it's perfect. Because when you laugh, then you have a brain state, which is advantages for learning. Right. But in, in also when a group is doing this and the others are laughing, then I take the one who is laughing and, and ask him to show it in a, in a best, better way. And you very yeah, you can find all different vari, uh, variants, which no one is able to do. Right. So actually, this was also, I would say, a hidden target with this, that actually you are fostering tolerance. Right. I can tolerate that he's different, and I can also tolerate an error. Right. Unfortunately, meanwhile, I see all the time when something is getting wrong, they just say it's differential. Mm. No, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah. How, how would that approach vary with beginners, like novices, versus, yeah, if you're working with a more elite athlete, how would you, how would you I guess, I kind of basically what you were talking about, like how much maybe creative yeah. bandwidth would you well, give them? This is exactly described in the, in the uh, I would say, stochastic resonance principle. Mm -hmm. When you have beginners, I would say you still can go for repetitions with them because when they repeat the movement, they still have a lot of variation in this. Mm -hmm. And this variation is still enough to learn. But when you go for the advanced player, they have no more variation. And this is the reason why they don't learn by repetition. Mm -hmm. So actually, in the beginners, it's rather to reduce the variation a little bit. Uh -huh. Whereas in the more advanced, the more advanced they are, actually, you should increase. Yeah, variations and the the sequence of increasing is from the geometry, velocity, acceleration, rhythm, uh -huh. and then combine this. And if you do this, um, okay, I'm more familiar with, with track and field. So yeah. when you do this for javelin throwers, for yeah. javelin throw, we tell them, okay, move the right hip fast, the shoulder has to be slow, and the arm has to be fast again. Uh, and when you do all these variations or throw 10 meters to the right, five meters to the left, this cannot be done by a beginner. But this right. is giving them an enormous feeling for, for the hand and for the final uh, acceleration phase. Right. Could you, could you go one more time? Sorry, geometry, velocity. What is the sequence? And could you give me an example of that sequence? Uh, geometry is changing in volleyball, changing the elbow ankle. Right. So do okay. it with 90 degree flexion. Do it with 180 degree uh, extension. This mm -hmm. is geometry. Mm -hmm. Completely from the beginning. It's always the same elbow angle. Now in the next advanced level, it would be, okay, you start with a bent elbow and at the end, which is changing the velocity of the elbow, at the end it's ex extended or go the opposite way. So it's the velocity changing. Okay. In the acceleration, then you are varying. Um, you start with a fast extension, slower uh, proceeding, and then fast at the end, which is very difficult. Right. And 
yeah, there's also an advantage. You don't have to do it in a perfect way. Just mm -hmm. it seems that just to try it is already enough stimulation. Right. And then when you go to the rhythm, then it would be over several joints. Okay, you start with a fast shoulder, slow elbow, and fast hand. Mm. Or slow shoulder, fast elbow, and slow hand. Uh, oh, that's, I hadn't thought about the velocity side of it. That's I'm going to try that. That's awesome. Now, I've heard another pushback uh, is, oh, you know, how do we get an elite athlete? Like elite athletes like to do, you know, repetition and they like, to, they're, they're not going to get outside their comfort zone in this way. I guess what have you, I mean, you've been working with elite athletes. Like what have you, what have you done to be able to get someone who's, who's maybe used to looking good and, and doing things in their own way for a long time? Yeah, this uh, is also a study with, which has been conducted that those who are used to these repetitions, uh, they have a problem to change. Um, meanwhile, I would say, and this is in connection with an, another approach, which is um, which was founded by a friend of mine, uh, Bertrand Terula. It's called the action type system, where we clearly see that they have different, I would say, neuronal uh, processing. So some people, they just need to try. You can challenge them. I don't believe that you will be able to do this. The other ones, they first need to understand the concept before they move, which is again, differential instructions. Yeah. And this is what you also should find, how they are responding. Meanwhile, we see, and, and Patron uh, is doing this quite uh, perfectly, uh, we see this while they are walking. When they, when they uh, I would say, move the hip forward, they initiate a movement by the hip, then we know they, are, uh, they need to, to try first. Right. When they lead the movement by the shoulder, then they need to understand the thing first. And they have a completely different way of jumping. So someone who is initiating movement from the hip, they are more concentric, whereas the other ones from the shoulder, from the other part, they are more, I would say, ballistic. They just boom, like a, like a spring. Mm -hmm. And you cannot change them. Mm. Sometimes they can adapt, but it's not the perfect way. And yeah. if you try to change them, and unfortunately, very often, this is done by coaches, because very often coaches think, it was good for me, so it should be good for the athlete. No, the first, I would say, step a successful coach has to accept is that the athletes are different than me. Mm-hmm. That's a great find, message. Find a new solution. And this was also part from, from my coaching as well. And from the beginning, I don't know the perfect solution of my athlete, but I can help you to find it. Yeah. And then it was always also my attitude. I cannot teach them something, but I can remove the obstacles because mm. actually their body knows already what's going on. Yeah. But it's blocked from some former experiences right right and this attitude is changing a lot already in the conversation and communication yeah not exciting to see that change and you're such a huge part of that that change so it's uh it's such a great message uh I, just two more to close um the study was going back to the paper that, that we were discussing there was big improvement for novices i know you've done a lot of research but 
would uh, would you expect the same effect or a bigger effect in experts? Well, the the following study was more advanced players, mm-hmm. and there we had the same effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I know from my experience, and this is actually how I started with this. So officially, differential learning was published first time 1999, but I trained my athlete, all my athletes already since 1985 with this. Mm-hmm. And I always trained and consulted Olympic participants in decathlon, decathlon shot put wherever. And what I saw there already is that the more advanced athletes are reacting much more than the other ones with on, on differential learning. Mm-hmm. Because what yeah, what I said already, the yeah. beginners. They still have enough variation when they when they have these uh, fluctuations. Right. right. So we did the, a similar study in children. We still had effects, but they were not as big as the other ones. Uh huh. But then the school system takes it out of them, right? Right. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I still reading the study, and I was going over it with my wife. It's like, can you like? It just doesn't seem possible, and it's so crazy to think that okay, there's this group that got to pass the you know the correct way and they got you know feedback and then this other group that never actually passed you know in a in a traditional way of passing the volleyball but this group that that tried all these different ways they end up learning more and being more accurate i mean it just seems so counterintuitive to the traditional approach uh it's just mind-blowing that even with beginners that that it would work so it's it's fascinating yes it is it is counterintuitive, uh, but yeah, because you said this, uh, uh, the, this past, for me, it was always okay, uh, a challenge when you do this uh, overhead pass. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the rules is that the ball should not uh, twist, turn. Yeah, yeah. Like a double, this, yeah. How do you call this? I would say like a double, like when the ball has a lot of spin on it, yeah, it's usually okay. when you like double so it. For me, it yeah. would be a challenge. Okay, try to provoke this double thing. Yeah. Forward yeah. spin and backward spin. Yeah. And only when you are able to do this forward and backward, then you are able to do the middle thing as well. Yeah. And yeah. for me, even more just came to my mind, do it a left spin or right spin. Yeah. Yeah. And do these combinations. Only if you are able to do this, then I would say you have... The, the overhead pass under control. Right. And then do it forward, backward, sidewards. Uh, I was taught, okay, you are standing there and then you play the ball. Yep. For me, meanwhile, uh, a game, I'm still teaching sometimes uh, volleyball is, okay, the ball has to always to stay in the middle and you have to adapt under the ball. Mm-hmm. It's not about playing the ball somewhere. No, mm-hmm. the ball is in the middle and you have to adapt. Play behind, play by side, play, play uh, forward, backward, and so on. Yeah, yeah. I would say there are a lot of possibilities, and I'm pretty sure that you will find even more. Yeah, well, I've been exploring. I mean, it's bringing that, like you said at the beginning, that toddler-like, that childlike uh, learning mindset to it through exploring. Um, the last question I had was kind of on the just what a typical practice would would look like. You know, if we had a lot, you know, I, I coach at the college level. We have two-hour practices. And I don't, I don't know, would you use two hours of differential learning? Would you use some of the constraints-led approach within the two hours? Uh, I know that's a probably depends on the time of year, but you know, what? how would you approach practices? 
Uh, well, uh, I didn't want to talk about this, but uh, to be honest, yes, the constraint set approach uh, is actually a small copy of us. And the origin is that uh, 2001, I sent the differential learning papers to one of these proponents and asked him whether he could help me to publish this in English. Okay, he, now you see the result. He renamed the thing and published this under another name without mentioning our, our thing. Uh, and actually, it, it's more control. It's no self-organization. It's still guidance. Mm -hmm. So they seem to know or they uh, pretend to know what is correct, and they guide the athletes towards there. Mm. I would say, yes, you can do this for people who are used to this and who are more oriented on the need for control. Mm. Uh, but actually, the, for us, it was always about producing noise. Mm -hmm. And where the noise is coming from is secondary. I can do it with an instruction. I can do it with changing the environment. But I also can do it with a different, I would say, task. Mm -hmm. So it's always dependent on, on the group. Okay, when they're used for traditional training, I would slowly increase this noise. Do it mm -hmm. in the beginning, do it there. By the way, it could be applied in, in tactics as well. Change mm -hmm. the positions, change right. the path of the, of, of the thing, of the uh, athletes. Uh, and the more they are used to this, actually you can increase it up to the end. But, and this is what we said also in the beginning, when they're used to these variations, you need to switch by time to repetition to make the system sensitive again for the variation. But this mm -hmm. is on the higher level, variation of the variation. But it's all the time a kind of, I would say, surprise. This is what I did with my athlete. When I started to do repetitions again, Hey, what's what's wrong with you? Do you have some <laughs> uh, fever or what's going on here? You know, do it. And yes, when I do this two or three three uh, sessions, the next session was variable again, and the variation got a completely different level. Okay. So it sounds like if they've become accustomed to you know noise and accustomed to more variability in their practices, then it would be the majority of the practice. And then every once in a while, there'd be a more okay, here's a scrimmage or a more typical, but that'd be a yeah. short period of time. And then we get back to adding noise. Yeah. 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 That's great. And the, the variation variation is not very wild. It's dependent on the athlete. Okay. Actually, I would say you can go with your normal training and just add, add a little bit of variation in mm -hmm. all these repetitions. Mm -hmm. And this adding has to be done, I would say, in different motivational things, uh, motivational instructions. Ex uh, when someone is competition-oriented, excellent competition-oriented, okay, the other group was better. Or the other athlete was better. Mm -hmm. When he is more internal competition-oriented, then uh, you cannot motivate them with the other instruction. Then you need to say, okay, try to do even more, even better than, than before. Mm -hmm. If someone is more group-oriented, relation-oriented, okay, let's do it for the group. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, related to this action type. 
uh, model, and this is what I really can recommend to you. Uh, this is what we are trying uh, to combine at the moment to find individual optimum variations mm -hmm. dependent on the situation. Okay. But this is ongoing research. And yeah, still, I would say you should encourage your uh, coaches to do more experiments by themselves. Right. Because I'm pretty sure that all the coaches are much more creative than all the scientists together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we can be. We can be with, with your help, with you giving us the uh, some of this research showing that we, we can be creative and there can be learning. I'm curious, sorry, I keep saying last question, but this is the last one. So then what if um, we compete, maybe this is too much again of a recipe, but we're competing on Saturday. Do you think even the day before, like, it could be lots of noise or is it more early in the week we should have noise and as we get closer maybe we do more scrimmage more stuff similar to the, okay. the competition the first, the first idea is try it try it right. by yourself right so what i can tell you my experience was yeah. okay this was related to sprinters i was used to be trained until friday but meanwhile i understand this because it was only trained by repetition and when you have a a too large break, uh, you have this memory effect. But with differential training, we stopped on Wednesday. We stopped on Wednesday hmm. in order to make them more aggressive at the end. Uh -huh. Because you're actually, I would say, you're losing a kind of aggressive energy when you train until Friday. No, stay at home. No, you're for, I don't allow you to, to come here. And then, okay, now go. On Saturday, no explosion. Right. right. But okay, this is dependent on the season, uh, right. whether it's it's a top uh, team. Um, yes. And Lots of what, what just came to my mind with these recipes. Uh, what I have heard is that volleyball, indoor volleyball, mm -hmm. has learned the most from beach volleyball. Yeah. And this was formerly this was never allowed to play a volleyball with one arm. Uh -huh. So there, actually, you had the example. One arm is putting a lot of noise in the system. And then you learn from this. Right. So actually, you already had, had this experience. You just need to continue. Right, right, exactly. Okay, well, this was amazing. I'm so thankful that you spent this time. I'm honored to have learned from you uh, in person or on Zoom and... You took on all these questions so well and were able to make it applicable for me as a coach. Uh, I thought you did a great job with that because I know you can take this to a whole nother uh, uh, level on the scientific side. But uh, yeah, just I'm again so thankful, so honored and excited to continue to follow the research and do my best at exploring it as a coach myself. So thank you for everything you're doing and have done. It was my pleasure. Thank you.